This is Jane Hardwick Collins, founder of the School of Shamanic Womancraft. Connecting to our inner dimensions. Inner reviews of transformation. When and how my life changed. Rewilding women with their stories of growth and transformation. Reclaiming feminine knowledge and power. Thank you for joining us. This is important and deep, serious work. So welcome to the podcast series. I am Ayla Myra, your podcast host and story guide. Welcome to 2023 and finally episode 27 is joining you. Really excited to introduce Arani and Arani is one of the teachers of the Four Seasons journey. So we learned from her story from 2009 when she attended her first Shamanic Dimensions of Pregnancy workshop to 2013 when she journeyed with the Four Seasons journey. I'm really excited to be back recording again and it did take me a while to edit this, I had to remember. (laughs) And so there is a bit of a time lag between us with the internet issues and we had all sorts of things going on with fire alarms and um, actually getting the meeting to work. So we're pretty uh, glad that we persevered. Uh, Enjoy this episode. Hi, Arani. Welcome so much to the Womancraft podcast. Uh, We've just had an eventful morning getting here and I'm really, yeah, super glad for our perseverance and just letting whatever had to roll to roll to be here and thank you so much for having your presence and joining us. I'm sitting here looking out of the window at the beautiful escarpment the Merigong on the Illawarra, south coast of New South Wales, coming to you from the lands of the Wadi Wadi people of Five Islands Dreaming, of Darawal country in the UN Nation. And I want to pay my deepest respects to the elders past, present, and those yet to come. Mm, thank you. And um, I also too want to acknowledge that I'm coming from the Derangunj land and feel very honoured to be able to work here on these lands and share these stories. So I realise too it's been just over a year since um, I've recorded. So it's really, I'm a bit, um, I don't know what the word is, but you have to get back in the seat again, used to this. So I'm really glad it's you that I get to speak to too and um, just feeling your beautiful energy and, yeah, really excited to dive back into stories. And mm, Welcome back. Welcome back. Mm-hmm. So 
So I've always been intrigued because I've never asked you. So tell me, when did you um, enter into the world of the School of Shamanic Womancraft and, you know, what year was that when you started your four or eight seasons journey and how were you then as a person? Mm, Thank you. So I met with Jane in 2009, actually 2008, I did the Shamanic Dimensions of Pregnancy workshop, which was a three-day workshop that Jane held on her land. And I was pregnant with my daughter, and that was really my first uh, introduction into the Circle Way, into sitting with women in circle and exploring the shamanic dimensions of that rite of passage um, of childbirth, pregnancy, conception, childbirth, and all of the magic that that entailed. So that was my first meeting with Jane. And I think in 2009 was the inception of the School of Shamanic Midwifery. So when I joined, it was 2014 journey. And so we began in November of 2013 and we journeyed for a whole year together. So I came to the journey um, having worked with Jane, having sat in circle with Jane and having birthed my daughter, which was an incredible uh, initiation into the kind of metamorphosis that birth is and that mothering is. And I had beautiful beloved sisters that were either midwives or birth workers or had already done the Four Seasons Journey program with the School of Shamanic Midwifery in the previous years to me. So I had a little kind of insight into what the program was offering women at that time. And in 2013, I came to uh, a place in my life where I had a deep, deep remembering. And the remembering was uh, something that had been kind of, I had kept really exiled from my psyche for 31 years um, of, of childhood experiences, really, really traumatic experiences in my childhood. So, Uh, It was the day before my 40th birthday and I was in a hypnotherapy session and I came to remember um, three years of of violation that I had experienced as a child. And so carrying all of that with me into the Four Seasons journey was, uh, yeah, I was incredibly uh, burdened and incredibly uh, lost and quite dismembered in my psyche. I knew that there was big changes afoot in my life as I began to unravel. And so that's really how I came to enter into the Four Seasons journey. It was it was as if the Four Seasons journey, uh, the timing of it was set up so that I could do the work, the inner work, the deep, deep, deep transformational and transmutative work of the Four Seasons journey at a point in my life where it was actually going to be a lifeline for me. So 
Uh, I didn't know all that was ahead of me, but I knew that this work, I had found it and it had found me at the perfect timing. And so like feeling into that, that perfect timing a bit more, how, how did that sit with your body? Like, did, was it something that I, you could feel into your, like? Mm, yes, yes. It was definitely uh, a whole embodied kind of yearning to um, excavate parts of myself, to come into contact with parts of myself that I'd been disconnected from, to uh, come home to myself, to uh, remember and reconnect with all the aspects of myself that I had been living, you know, obviously unconsciously with for a really long time. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what, what it would offer me, but I just felt in my body, in my bones, in my blood, that this place was going to be a place where I could safely explore and remember. And I remember turning up to the opening gathering on Jane's land and I remember being welcomed by the apprentices and by Jane and Tallulah who was co-teaching at that stage and being welcomed by the land, the land where we camped and we had there was a little grove of trees and a beautiful river that ran by Jane's property and all the elements felt really present there. Um, and I felt like I had been already welcomed um, as soon as I turned up to that space. And I guess I was willing and able to bring all the parts of myself to that, to that gathering. And really, I was ready to dive deep. I was ready and willing to dive deep. And so I really um, trusted that that place, that the land and that the women and the sisterhood and that circle was going to be a place where I could uh, do the healing work for myself and my and my family. So stepping into that first gathering, um, do you remember what arose for you during that time whilst, you know, doing the practices or is there anything that you have a moment with that you can remember during that first gathering that stood out? I have lots of clear memories um, of, you know, where, where I sat in the circle, who was sitting next to me, the women that I greeted where before we entered the red tent, how we were, clean, you know, using the cleansing herbs and smokes of the plant medicines how the there was this sense of reverence and this sense of holiness that was that was present it was present in the air it was present in the voices it was present in the way the women moved it was present in the way we sat in the circle and i also remember uh standing in the circle and choosing the the hide for our drums and I felt so connected with that hide first first time I laid eyes on it and I thought to myself 
I'm sure there's going to be lots of people that are going to choose the, this hide because it just radiated this beauty for me. Um, and nobody did. And I walked up to it and I chose that hide. And then working through the birth process, I came to remember, you know, so much about actually a past life of mine and that I was born uh, Linda and I was named after my grandmother's stillborn child and her name was Linda and my mother told me the story that when I was born she had this deep calling to call me Linda and so I had in my birthing process I had this unraveling and this remembering of being actually that was my spirit as a as a baby being born through my grandmother and at the time my grandmother was losing her life and so I began to have to make a decision at that point uh, to leave so that my grandmother could come back because she had already birthed seven, seven babies into the world. And I remember the distinct memory of that. And so that became, uh, that information came through in my making of the drum. And so it wasn't this lifetime, the birth story that I unraveled. It was actually a previous lifetime birth story that I unraveled. Wow, that's so interesting. What, mm. what can you feel into the feelings around that too? Was there grief or how, how was that feeling there during were, that process? And then as you're weaving the threads of the drum? Mm, mm. I think it was actually um, just a deep honouring and a deep, again, a deep knowing that uh, that, that was the chosen path and that, uh, I had this deep connection in my red thread, not just to my mother, but to my grandmother. And I just, I remember feeling a sense of almost like a homecoming, like a part of my, my being was um, coming back into me that I was remembering who I was um, not just from this life, but from another life, that I too was Linda. And I'd, I'd always had this fascination with my grandmother to, to ask her about Linda's birth story. And so I have really clear memories of sitting by her side and asking her to tell me the story of that birth. And she told me the story about how she had never, she never got to see that baby. She never got to see that baby that was born still. Um, and that that baby was taken away from her. And so she always had this doubt in her mind as to whether really Linda had been born a stillborn child or had been removed from her. Because back in that day, in the hospital that she'd given birth in, the nuns that ran that hospital did take babies away from women and give them to other women that didn't have babies. And so I remember when I was doing my drum, making my drum, I was sending prayers to my nan, to my grandmother, and telling her it was me and I did choose to leave so that you could come back and be and be a mother to all of your children. So there was this sense of just wanting her to know that everything had happened as it had and it was all perfect. Mm, so beautiful. Did you, prior to the drum making and um, when you journey with the school looking at um, part of the process is yeah looking at your own birth imprint um did you have much 
understanding of the red thread prior to that? Or did it all just come flooding? <laughs> it, it kind of, I mean, I have a really strong connection being, I come from a long line of firstborn women in my family. And um, I really have grown up in a really close, um, big family. And so my grandmother, you know, had a high position in the family as the matriarch and my mother is the firstborn and then I was the firstborn and then my daughter is the firstborn. Um, and so I always had a sense of closeness to my, to my grandmother. We spent a lot of time together growing up. And so I, I never had the language around that being my red thread or my maternal line, but I knew in my family that there was this um, living kind of faith and wisdom that was expressed through the honouring of my grandmother and my grandfather also, and also of my mother, because my mother being the eldest of 11, she was like a mother to the youngest children of that of her family. Um, of her of her brothers and sisters, so um, there was a there there is there still is a real living uh, reverence of the mother in the family that I grew up in. Mm, wow, yeah, that's really interesting. And how that um, how did how did you go with the actual physicality of the drum process during what was arising for you too? Did you find um, there were some interruptions or did it flow as it needed to? Mm, I remember just really wanting to drop into my own kind of process and, um, you know, really consciously filtering out what everybody else was doing or how everybody else was going or what everybody else was up to in terms of timing and in terms of, you know, doing, doing, making the drum. And so I uh, really just dropped into my own timing, my own presence. I remember reading the instructions and kind of, it was almost like I was already out of my cognitive mind and so I couldn't really, you know, um, understand the instruction, the written instructions, but I, I could I watched, I looked at the visual um, photographs of, of the instructions and so I used those as a way of, of making my drum and I just remember really wanting to take the time to honour the, the whole process from like, and getting really connected with my senses of the drum. So using my sense of smell and my sense of touch and my sense of sight and my sense of knowing and feeling uh, as I was making the drum, knowing that this was one of my first medicine tools, you know, that I was, that I was creating, um, you know, in birthing my drum, I was also feeling like I was birthing a new aspect of myself. Yeah. Hmm. I just want to go back to arriving and the cleansing process and the rituals and just your remembering of that. And I want to feel into people that maybe, you know, are interested in doing something like this and just wondering, did you feel like you had to know something or did you just step into receiving 
or was there a sense of like, oh, do I have to know what to do here or there? Or because I just wonder if that might hold a lot of people back from going to spaces such as this and just showing that beautiful nature of just stepping in and receiving. Did anything like that come up for you mm. during your journey? I think because I grew up in a really um, kind of active Catholic family and so I, you know, I went to church every weekend until I was 17 and I really loved aspects of going and, and joining in with community and singing and celebrating together. Um, and so that I kind of already had a map for creating holy space, creating sacred space, creating a, a place that was time out of time, you know, stepping out of the, the day-to-day mundane and stepping into the sacred. So I guess I... I just was able to, you know, with the with the welcoming of the cleansing and things like that. I didn't know, you know, about using those herbs as ways of cleansings, but I guess I had the memories of frankincense and myrrh being used in the church and that feeling really holy to me, um, and and that I and I could feel a sense of change in my body when I was experiencing that. So I guess I just um, having already had that memory when I came to step before the red tent and, you know, having that, that cleansing um, gift received that I, I kind of, you know, it was, it was the same, but not the same. So um, yeah. So in answer to your question, I, I think that we all come with our, you know, past experiences and there may be references to, you know, um, using incense or essential oils or, you know, water or ways of, of cleansing our spaces that we do just naturally. But, um, yeah, I felt that everything was just done with such a natural uh, way of being in a sense that it all felt really, it you know, there was it, it didn't feel like it was unusual if that makes sense Mm, absolutely yeah you just felt into the flow of it and it felt it was honoring and honoring yourself and honoring the earth and I think the invitation was so genuine um by Jane and the apprentices and the other women for us to all arrive and bring all parts of ourselves into the space. There was such a, there was such a genuine invitation um, that felt, it, it, you know, it felt so honouring. So it, it allowed for then, you know, just for what to happen to happen and for us to be able to feel, you know, for myself to be able to feel whatever I was feeling and to, to, to be able to hold that um, and not, not judge it, not kind of, you know, make story around it, but just to, yeah, to notice it and be with that. Give away this part of life to all of creation. 
You are listening to the School of Shamanic Womancraft podcast series with Ayla Myra. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. Okay, so feeling into the next phase as you're journeying through and um, with what's arising and the drum making and how are you heading up towards the wilderness solo and in if you did it in 2014 did you travel for your solo how was that feeling for you um how how old was your daughter at that time and how was that for you um having that space of 10 days yeah how how was that (laughs) (laughs) so that was um that was a big journey away from the family so um at the beginning of 2014, my uh, my whole world kind of um, scattered and cracked into a million pieces. Um, so, I uh, my marriage dissolved, and uh, you know, my identity dissolved. All the roles that I'd played up until that point kind of were um, dissolving as well. So there was so much change happening in my personal life and so I was really um, really really grateful for the time that I could take away from my daughter it was the longest time I'd spent away from her she was um, four and a half when I actually she was five by the time I went on my wilderness solo and um, yeah, I felt like we just set up a really, you know, safe, secure way for her to spend that time with her dad. And uh, I, yeah, we drove up to Mount Seaview. That was where we had our wilderness solo. And that was epic kind of mission just to get up the top of the mountain. And I remember just arriving in that place. And again, the welcoming from the land was incredible. And uh, the welcoming from the apprentices and the teachers was was really, really beautiful. And I, again, had a sense for myself that I was really going to go, this was a really going to, going to be a deeply transformational time for me and kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity really, you know, the first time you go out and spend three nights on my own in nature fasting I'd never done that before I'd done some fasting before I'd done um, lots of silent meditation retreats before but this was you know going solo to commune with the land was something I'd never done so I uh, chose an incredible site and I really loved the whole way that we were Uh, able to witness ourselves and each other's personal myth stories um, before we went out on our solo and then to, you know, have that experience of communing with the land, communing with Mother Earth. And I really had a deep, deep intention to uh, do a lot of forgiveness practices and, you know, energetic cutting 
and you know calling in what it is that I was calling in and letting go of what it was that I was letting go of and and being with myself you know for the first time and really kind of it felt like a resetting for me um, having had so much change in my life proceeding uh, b- before the wilderness solo and du- during the first bit of the four seasons journey yeah so it was it was a deeply profound time and I you know I remember walking up the hi- up the hill to my place where I created my circle and I remember you know packing up my things at the end and walking down the mountain and being received by the apprentices so lovingly and being nourished by them and then hearing all the return stories of of my sisters and of my own story that's the story that wanted to be told um you know it 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 uh it changed me forever and yeah I felt completely uh transmuted by that experience yeah it's a very definitely a running pattern of the um, transformation and um, you know, knowing my own journey, it was a it was a life changer. And still, there's just elements. I guess it's like a birth, isn't it? There's always these elements that keep arising, and interesting um, lifelong uh, learnings and you know, blessings. And it's just really beautiful to. Um, and I hear you too in that thing it's like I, even back then and I know when I did it too technology wasn't as intense as it is now but I feel it's changed a lot in the past years but I'm assuming in 2014 it might have been a bit less um, <laughs> um, less what's the word intense so um, yeah but I know a lot of people just have that thing was like wow when, where do you get the time to just sit with yourself and not have any distractions um, that call your attention, that require your services or, um, yeah, it's such an opportunity to just be with the land and notice and witness and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to step out of all the roles, you know, that we that we play as women in our life, you know, within our families, within our our extended families, within our communities, our friendship circles, to just really step away from all those things and obviously all of the gatherings that that lead up to the wilderness solo really prepare you for for being able to uh, sit with sit with yourself and um, be with yourself and spend time with oneself Um, so yeah such an incredible gift and you know I that was my first experience of that and then as I went on to apprentice each year I would return to that mountain and you know recall my own personal uh, vision quest and I've just come back from um, 10 days in the bush with um, a beautiful group of women, journey women, as a co-teacher, and again, I was remembering, you know, my my own experience of like walking off with my pack and my water and just setting off from base camp, and and knowing that I was kind of 
uh, tethered to that to the to the base camp, you know, that being the heart. But I was actually walking out and going to be alone, and that was a choice, a conscious choice that I'd made. And it was, it was, it took such heart courage to um, to do that. Yeah, to do that and to to stay present with that and to use that time and to as a gift as a as a precious precious gift to oneself to to really sit and listen deeply mm, i love that heart courage it's so beautiful <laughs> mm-hmm. so as if you can fear like reflect on this so your first gathering and journeying to your last gathering what was arising for you knowing that this was you know the circles closing but never broken what was arising for you what was exciting you about stepping out um post these um meetings and gatherings and connections yeah what was coming up for you and what was calling Mm. you for the future (laughs) yeah so much so much was calling me um I think for most of my life most of my adult life the last kind of 20 years I've worked with the underserved and while I was doing the four seasons journey I was also working as a uh, domestic violence family worker and specializing in family violence and I I just knew that, um, you know, I was, I was feeling into how I could still work with women, um, but outside of those systems that are, you know, incredibly broken and uh, just not safe. And so when I was in my closing gathering and I could feel this, this uh, energy, this pulsating energy and this desire to really uh, reframe young people's um, experience of Menarche and becoming and uh, that change through pubescence. I feel like that is one of the rites of passage where we have the opportunity to give our girls a different story, a different, a new story, or perhaps the old story that they just need to remember. And so I really felt inspired and ignited and like I now had more tools in my medicine basket that I could take forth with me and work with women and young young women especially to support them to rediscover and remember and reconnect with their own inner authority, their own inner sovereignty, their own inner knowing. And so that whole journey, what that whole Four Seasons journey taught me, I mean, it taught me so much, but one of the things it taught me was that uh, in each of us lies our own innate knowing and way of being in the world that serves us and serves the world. And sometimes we forget Sometimes that's been stripped from us by others. Sometimes we have told ourselves story that we are not worth worthy of that. But in this work, through the Four Seasons journey, it offers this fertile ground for 
one to remember the innate power that lives in each of us, the innate power of our choice, the innate power of healing, the innate power of growth, the innate power of connection. And so I was going forth with a deep, a deep embodied knowing, having, you know, completely shattered into a million pieces and woven myself back together again in the safety of and the circle of sisterhood. I knew that this was something that was possible for anybody. How old was your daughter at the time? Astara was five. And was anything coming up around, I know she's only five, but was there a drive for that too, for the menarch and supporting the young girls around you knowing that you have a daughter and was there a sense of responsibility or something arising at that time too? Absolutely, yes. I um, just went back and reread my interview that we do with the maiden, our inner maiden, our inner mother, our inner maga and our inner crone. And I asked of myself, you know, what, what was the work that I was taking with me? What was the, what was the seed of the, the work that I was taking with me, you know, to be walking as a shamanic craftswoman in the world? And it was the work of, of uh, reclaiming Menarch and also offering a space for young young girls to uh, learn a new story, learn an old story, learn the story of magic, learn the story of transformation, learn the story of the blood mysteries in a way that has them feel like they are growing into some, you know, their sovereignty and their power as in the feminine. So from taking all of the seeds of wisdom from my time with the Four Seasons Journey and the School of Shamanic Womancraft, I have co-created a beautiful year-long program for mothers and daughters. And uh, so the mothers and maidens age 9 to 12. And this this is a beautiful transformational uh, program where the girls get to explore their bodies, their intuition, their red thread, their healing symbol, their body that's changing, their body literacy um, with their mamas by their side. And so mums get to um, support and nurture their, their, their daughters through pubescence, through the threshold of pubescence. And um, we sit in the circle way, so the girls learn how to sit in circles. So we're decolonizing that way of, you know, who is the student, who is the teacher, and everybody becomes the student, everybody becomes the teacher. And we offer guided meditations and we do sacred crafting and we take them on drum journeys and uh, we do a lot of embodiment practices to get them really into their bodies and sensing their bodies and learning to trust their bodies as a compass for, you know, helping them to make good decisions around their body, around their choices of friendships. We learn nonviolent communication so that they can work through conflict and um, tricky stuff around friendships. So this program was, was born out of, you know, 
my desire at the end of my Four Seasons journey to really create a safe space for uh, girls to learn about their bodies in a healthy, inspiring and feminine way. Is that, are you still doing that? Yeah, yeah. So we've just completed, um, actually on the weekend, we just had our closing gathering for our second year. So it's, um, we had 14 families celebrate with us and we do a beautiful honouring ceremony and the closing gathering for the girls so they get to hear what we've learned about them and what we've, what we're being honoured to, you know, sit in circle with and learn from them. And we had lots of singing and feasting and celebrations. So this is our, we've just completed our second year of that and we'll begin that again in February 2023. Oh, beautiful. Mm. Is there, do you have a link or something that I can share on the show notes for that? Uh, I do have a link to an event um, and through my uh, Instagram page, that's where people can find that information. So we can share that. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Sounds beautiful. Mm. Makes me wish I was a young girl again and could go through. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, create, I created that program really for my daughter because there wasn't anything like it here. Mm. And our community has just really taken it up and embraced it. And we had families come through for a second time. So they journeyed with us last year and then they wanted to journey again, you know, to go deeper with their daughters. And obviously that as their daughters grow, they get more comfortable being in circle. They can bring more parts of themselves into the space. And mm, must be healing for the parents too right to just witness that through their daughters having this journey and experience yes yes what what happens is their own inner maiden so the mother's own inner maiden um gets to i guess experience the teachings for herself and um you know tend to those parts of her that uh, we're not honoured, we're not celebrated, we're not seen at the point when she experienced her own menarche or her own pubescent journey. So there is there is lots of healing that happens and um, an acknowledgement of, of just how wonderful it is that in one generation we can change the story for our daughters. Mm. So going into now... Um, you've just finished a cycle. Uh, sorry, you'll finish in 2023. Just two more gatherings of uh, co-teaching um, the Four Seasons journey. And you've got another one starting in February um, on the South Coast. How has that been for you stepping into that um, witnessing and space holding um, and knowing, I mean, not knowing and and almost feeling into the resonance that you have with the circle way and how is it going for you? (laughs) So, you know, I think I, I planted a seed many, many, many moons ago that I wanted to teach this, this four seasons journey program. And so, um, yes, I'm in my internship year this year. So this has been an eight year journey to get to this place um, and I have the privilege and the deep, deep honour of co-teaching with Jane 
in one of her final years of teaching the Four Seasons Journey. And I'm also teaching on the lands where I did my Four Seasons Journey. So it feels like this incredible full circle to to be returning to the lands and co-teaching on the land where I did my Four Seasons Journey. So this year has been um, such a deep learning for me. I've just come back, as I said, yes, from the wilderness solo. And, um, you know, one of the questions we ask ourselves when we arrive there is who are we and what are we doing here? And for me, I, I heard myself say I was there to learn. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I was just, you know, the teachings were just everywhere through the women, through the land, through the scene, through the unseen, through all the processes, through the weavings, through the songs, through the dancing and the drumming and the storytelling. So I have a deep, deep honoring reverence for this work and once I found this work I it became actually the work started to come through me and be part of me and be woven as a part of me and so now I don't really feel separate from the work I feel that the work it just I am the vessel I am the clear vessel I am the hollow bone and the work comes through me and so now um I have, yeah, an incredible opportunity next year in February to step into co-teaching with a beloved sister that I also journeyed with in my Four Seasons journey, Sha She Oak. And together we are calling in a beautiful group of women on the lands down on the UN country in Bamarang Bush Retreat uh, for a year-long deep transformational experience. So, um Yeah, I feel incredibly honoured and, as I said, this work is is happening Um, and so I I really am just being called to keep showing up and keep showing up and keep that beginner's mind kind of um, philosophy and way of being so that I continue to, to learn to be the student and the teacher, the student and the teacher ongoing. Mm. I get. I think um, it was really interesting to hear you say eight year journey into this, and it's. I think it's important to mention that when you apprentice to become um, a teacher and facilitator of the school of shamanic womancraft, it's not like you just go and do a mini gathering or whatever. That's it's four different gatherings. I mean, four different journeys. And I don't know the maths, so there's like how many? Eight mm-hmm. gatherings in one Four Seasons journey? There's six. So, so there's a lot of – There's six. a lot of a lot of gatherings, <laughs> a lot of experience mm. of, and a lot of listening to women's stories, a lot of experiencing and, and a great opportunity to, to, to listen, to be a sacred witness and to really cultivate a presence with what is. Um, so that's one of the big teachings that I'm, I'm taking with me is to learning how to be with what is. Not what I wish was happening, not what I thought might happen, but to truly be with what is happening in the moment. And that, that has me uh, stay with deep presence in the present. Mm. Love it. 
It's getting little tingles. <laughs> you say that. <laughs> so is there anything that you wanted to call in to talk about for where you're at now? And I know we just said you're going into the teaching, um, co-teaching, sorry, next year and and you've just done this year as well. And, um, yeah, is there anything that's arising that you'd like to share as we wrap up this beautiful podcast? One thing I'd like to share is that I've had the privilege of um, becoming an Earth Woman teacher now, Um, Earth Woman being the new online course that's being offered by the School of Shamanic Womancraft. And the Shamanic Womancraft sessions that I've been offering to women in my community have been so profound And it's almost like um, in this condensed kind of two-hour session, one can start to track and trace their, you know, mythical map of their journey of life through their rites of passage from birth to wherever they are now in their life phase. And uh, and I I think what what it teaches me is just how deeply profound and simple this work is. So when you say simple and deeply profound, you mean because working with the elements of nature and with the mother and I think simple with in the that earth just, woman. <laughs> yes, simple as in and as in working with oneself and and uh, and one's exper- life experiences, um, which are so unique for every woman, and yet as women we you know we travel through the blood mysteries together. So there's this, I, I think I was speaking more to the simple um, formulas and, and ways that we can start to excavate a woman's life journey and help her make sense of where she is, where she has come from and where she might want to go. Absolutely. Mm. I'm really looking forward to sharing more on the Earth Woman as it um, evolves and I think the next container, um, I mean, there's a self-guided part to it, which people can sign up anytime, but the next container begins February next year. Is that correct? Yes. For those that want, um, there's two options of doing the course, the online course. One is, as you said, self-guided and the other option is to do it teacher-guided where you'll journey with a cohort of a minimum of three and a maximum of five other women uh, with a teacher supported over a journey for six months. Yeah. Mm, beautiful. So what would you say to someone that um, was considering, well, both now, um, I can say, so either a Four Seasons journey or Earth Woman, so especially if there's people overseas um, in Australia, mm. Um, yeah, what would you say to someone that's sitting on the fence and, you know? (laughs) Mm, Yeah. I would say that the body always tells the truth. And so if there's a way that you can access your inner voice from deep within your body, then, and you have the 
ability, the willingness and the desire to listen, uh, then you will know. You will know. And mm -hmm. I think in terms of the Earth Woman course, that being, you know, just so accessible now worldwide um, feels like, you know, it feels like such a gift and it does feel like it is, it is um, more include, you know, it's offering a more inclusive way of doing the work because it does mean that women don't need to travel, they don't need to be living close to or have access to be able to travel to the places where the Four Seasons journey is being held in person. So again, you know, testing the body. The body is our, is, has such a deep, you know, desire to guide us. And, um, and so if we can listen, then we will know. Mm. Thank you so much, Arani. I'm really excited for anyone that's going to gather and um, be in your presence. And I really thank you for the time. And we certainly have been with what is to arrange this and get it happening with our little glitches and then fire alarms and whatnot so yeah and it was lovely beautiful flowing um and witnessing you and I just really really deeply appreciate it and I learned so much just by doing this so I hope others do too mm. thank you Ayla thank you for uh guiding me on a little journey here with you today and um, I hold so much gratitude in my heart for what you bring and to this space. So thank you again. Mm. Hey, what's your Instagram? And I'll put it in the show notes too and the link as well. Yeah, for it's the Arani Lions. So A-R-A-H-N-I-L-I-O-N. Yeah. O-N. Arani.lion, actually. Beautiful. Arani.lion. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right. Big love to you. Okay. Lots of love, Ayla. Thank you. For more information on today's inner review with photos and how to connect, head over to schoolofshamanicwomancraft.com forward slash media forward slash podcast. Subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and all good podcast players. We are all in this together.